this one time at game. Our sept had a new alpha. The game I was running was Werewolf the Apocalypse, and the guy who was now playing the sept alpha was an unashamed power gamer. One of the quirks of Werewolf the Apocalypse as a genre is that might makes right. Once you become the alpha, you can stay in charge of the entire game as long as you can hold that position. Naturally, this player's first move, then, was to immediately begin assessing whether or not he could take everyone in the game. To do this, he had his character buy a notebook. Then, he sat down privately with every character, taking them aside one at a time and asking them to list for him all of the supernatural powers they knew. In character, he was learning all of the powers every character had on their sheet and writing them in his notebook. He was, essentially, finding out what was on everybody's sheet and doing so in character. When it was all over, he had a notebook, and it was filled with everybody's powers, so he could then analyze them and determine who was a threat to his character and who wasn't. It was brilliant and cheaty, and it was totally against the spirit of the game and against the kind of gaming community that my staff and I had cultivated. We waited until he finished the book, and then we had his character get jumped by some bad guy werewolves. Those werewolves used a power on him called Taking the Forgotten, and they stole the notebook. Now this power allows a character to steal an item from another character, and not only do they get that item, but the character they stole it from forgets that they ever had it. So now, not only did this player lose his power-gamed notebook, his character no longer remembered he had ever had it, and the bad guys now had a complete and full list of all of the abilities of every single character in our game. He didn't stay alpha long. Okay, now roll for initiative. Welcome to On a Roll, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game. Because the only way to win at a role-playing game is is to to have fun! fun. I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me is the legend, Carrie. Hello! And of course, Jason. The favorite, and also the one with the most unread books at home that he's bought at a used bookstore. Just regular books, or are they RPG books? Mostly RPG books. I was going to say RPG books, and then I realized, that's probably both is true. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can be found at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and all these other places where you can find podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, at honorrollpodcast. Facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast is where to find us on Facebook. And of course, you can always send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com or if you're feeling very loving you can find us at patreon.com oh, oh, patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast well let's go ahead and talk about patreon then tell me uh, do we have any new patrons <laughs> we do yay I'm so excited are they from Idaho no okay. no but we have a listener from Idaho now what <laughs> That was the sound of Ryan's mind. Yes. We do have a listener from Idaho. That's right. Uh, And I want you to email us. Okay. Just so everybody knows, Ryan was so excited that he messaged both Jason and I at work and was like, it's happened. (laughs) It's true. It finally happened. It did finally happen. So let's get on to the people who are actually sending us money. Oh, yeah. Okay. So far. Okay. You've, who's your new person? Oh, What's their oh, name? Oh, oh, okay. So I get to make up a name for her. So I'm so That's excited. That's not her real name? Yes. Okay. What is it? It is. She is Sir Dorva Kern, bearer of the moon whistle. Oh, badass. Wow. Yeah, she is pretty badass. So who well, else do we have? Thank you for joining us, moon whistle bearer. That's, That's right. right. That may change. We'll you know see. who else we've got? Who? Cameron Pruitt. Oh, he's my favorite. That's he right. Is. Cameron's awesome. And we also have Lost Colonies. Thanks Yay. for continuing to back us. Joe Hines, don't forget he has a Patreon as well. Go, Everyone should go support them after they're done supporting us. Absolutely. Woo-hoo. Who else do we have, Carrie? We have Ryan Martin. 
Ryan Martin, and you know, we've also got Drew Stevens, and we really appreciate all of you. Yes. You are part of the family. You guys if, are the bestest. If you, want a, if yes. you want a shout out, we'd love to give you one. You can get one by helping us out and helping us keep this podcast on the air That's by right. becoming a patron at <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast. And it's also important to remember every episode, please like and share. Yes. And make us a really good uh Comment on one of the places where you comment about podcasts. Go review us on iTunes. Oh, iTunes. yeah, give That's us all the stars. one that everybody listens to. Right. That's give right. us all the stars. I always forget iTunes because I don't use iTunes at all. Yeah, honestly, you know what? The big thing is we are we are at that point where we have finally reached every single one of our friends. <laughs> so now it's time to reach so our all enemies. five of you. Right. So it really will help us out if everybody who's listening, if you'll share this podcast with with your friends, let them know about it, tell them about it on Facebook. That's right. Uh, you know, and of course, especially if you know somebody in Mississippi. <laughs> Is that the new because one? Because we oh, have no, no listeners in Mississippi. All right. I'm going right? to start Googling I'm Mississippi gaming organizations oh, no. right now. <laughs> All right. Well, when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting here at this table recording a podcast. But in that time, a lot's happened. Carrie, tell us about all the stuff that's going on. Well, the only stuff that is going on in my universe now is Kickstarter. I know, but I've, but what happened? What happened? Well, well, we we went live and I was fully funded in 40 hours. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so you're what, like 200% now? I'm at 205%. I'm going to go ahead and predict when this episode comes out, you're going to be at least 250%. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. It's fantastic. So what's it called? Colorful Tales of Dreadful Dolls Adult Coloring Book. Ooh. Ooh. And you can find it on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to real realfunstudios.com. And that will take you to the Kickstarter. Um, the books themselves are only $15, so it's pretty. It's a pretty cheap pledge to get a physical book. So that's exciting, I think. Very cool. Um, and there's lots of other levels of fun stuff. Neat. Jason, what about you? What What have you been doing for the last week? Well, uh, role-playing related, I have continued my Dungeon World campaign, still coming up to speed on kind of getting the system. Uh, a lot of the negotiating with the people at the table is something that, you know, honestly I'm not as accustomed to. I'm more old school, you know, build a world than they inhabit it, not them help me build it. And it's a tricky divide to find how much input that you want them to give and how much of the world building you want to do, and I'm still finding it. I, I hope to um, have a continuing campaign every week. We've got uh, two local kids, 12, 13 age, and my wife are involved. So That's it's fun. A, it's, it's a good group because everybody is, while my wife is very experienced, the kids are new, so it uh, gives a broad level of experience. And right. uh, they're kind of learning to role play, and we're learning the system together. And Dungeon World's a perfect system for that because it's very simple to learn and quick to play. You know, that was something that uh, that Ashley Rayburn, the guy who's working on the gumbelt with me, he, he brought up, uh, I think he actually brought it up on our Honor Roll podcast group on Facebook, was this idea, you know, our last, last week's episode was about player agency, and he brought up this fact that there's this new angle of, of player agency that is about working the table. Yeah, you yes. know, and allowing your players to have agency in world creation and not just in the playing of their mm-hmm. characters. I'd also like to say, uh, along with that, we had lots of good comments and discussions going on. Like a lot of people talked on our our Facebook group about last week's episode, and we yeah. like that. Yes, we do. Yeah, I'd like to bring up one other thing that happened last week. Uh, while we were playing, I was talking to my son about some other games, and I was like, "Well, if we play this other stuff, you'll have to read." A lot. You have to read the whole book. And he's like, well, how long is it? I'm like, well, you know, 50 to 100 pages or more, according to what we play. And he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Scott, you read all the time. He's like, yeah, I read for pleasure. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. He wasn't, you know, that quite. That's essentially what he said. Yeah, he's like, I read for pleasure. For fun, yeah. For fun. But I'm not going to spend several days. Not going to do work. Right, I'm not going to spend several days reading books to uh, get to just start playing. And I think there's a little bit of game design advice out there. If you're running a game and you want to appeal to a broader audience. Make uh, sure Scott will read it. <laughs> Scott's, his cutoff was, I'll not read more than 10 pages to know how to play your game as a player. 
and I'll not read more than 50 pages to run your game. Ouch. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's pretty tight. Is that including artwork on the pages? Uh, no, no, I don't know. That's a good question. All right, because And he also said it. that he would read more, but it had to be fun to read it in and of itself, whether he was going to run the game or not. All right. Well, I think that's, that is key. Yeah. Well, I mean, engaging content is better, but right. well, I think part of it is that uh, mechanics are rarely engaging to read. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're into mechanics and there's... You know, it's weird. The older I get, the less I'm into mechanics. When I was in my early 20s, I read Crunch constantly. I loved Crunch. Mm -hmm. My mom is really into mechanics. In fact, she's been married to one for like 50 years. Oh, he's a mechanic. That explains everything. (laughs) That's why I can't fix my cars. That's why you can't fix your cars. What about you, Ryan? You know, I have just been doing a ton of work to help you with your Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you know, and so that's kind of put the gum belt on on pause for a little bit. But uh, for you the should most make part, one of the stories a gum belt story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I secret tie-in. I, I got oh, this is kind of cool. You know, I got a Kickstarter in the mail uh, on Friday. Oh yeah, it was the uh, there's this this little indie game called Revolutionaries. Yeah, we should post a picture of it on our Patreon. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, it's just a, a little simple RPG, and the premise is that you play spies during the Revolutionary War. I was flipping through the rule books, and I think they meet Scott's criteria. <laughs> <laughs> because the whole thing looks like it's around maybe 50 pages yeah, total. Yeah, of it's a relatively, rules. what, three by five book? Yeah, it's no, pretty rules line. Five by seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it looks still looks cool. It's got that code breaking set in the back. Yeah, it's actually got like a whole book, a whole cipher book, so your players can communicate with. And, and you know, we, we've talked about this so many times that stuff is important. Physical things that like absolutely, at a ta- especially like with a tabletop game, if you can hand them the cipher, you can make a you really can... simple plot amazing mm-hmm. with a physical prop, yep. just a little bitty one. Mm-hmm. All right, well. That uh, I guess that just about does it. So Wraps up the episode. So goodbye, we'll everyone. All right, we'll tell you <laughs> now let's go ahead and move on to game wrap. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's go to comment. Welcome to combat rounds. Today on the Outer Roll Podcast, our topic is problem players. <laughs> So this is actually the first of two parts because we've dis- we came up with a list of sixteen types of problem players. So many. There's probably well, you know, more. I want to make it clear that this is a, a whole chapter in your book. It's two whole chapters. It's two in whole my chapters. Book. And I think that while we're going to do a pretty good job covering it today, that people who are interested in this particular subject should do a deep dive in your book. Well, I think everyone should buy my book because I, I'm poor. <laughs> Remember, every time you buy Ryan's book. An angel gets, gets its wings. I was going to say, they get to eat meat that day. Right. <laughs> so we, we've divided uh, divided these into two groups. People who are bad players through mechanics. Right. Or issues with mechanics. And then there are people who are bad players because of social problems. And I think... I say problems, I don't mean like they've got a social problem. I mean, I mean they like might. They, they create social problems. There and is a social problem. Right, and they kind of cross the divide of in-game and out-of-game because you can game the mechanics of your uh, club and you can game the mechanics of your community just as well as you can game the mechanics of the game. Right, so today we're just going to talk about the mechanical bad players. Right. All right, and so before we get into bad players at all, uh, the, the most common question... That I get asked, uh, you know, I, I sell this book on a roll at our table at conventions. Yes. And so we get a lot of people who come by, and typically there are three responses to the book. Okay, response number one is, oh, hey, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll buy one. Yeah. Right? Yay. That's your favorite. That's right. my favorite. Yes. Okay. I'll uh, take ten for my store. My The, mm. the second response is my least favorite response, mm. which is, which is, I could have wrote that. <laughs> to which my response is always, but you didn't. But you didn't. But you, you didn't. This one. <laughs> what were you going to say, Carrie? I'm sorry. I, it's good. It's I'm good. Okay. I'm always like, I'm I sorry, big toxic. And then the, the third response I get is the one that's really applicable here, which is, hey, that's awesome. I'd love to buy your book. And they most of the time do. And then they follow that up with, 
Listen. So I've got a problem. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know, we're both on that Dungeon Masters and Storytellers site on Facebook. Once a week. At least once a week. It'll be, hey, the players in my group, don't read this. And then they're like, Tom's a butthole. <laughs> right? What do I do? Tom so, better not be reading this, but he's a real butthole. They always ask. They've got a problem player, and they want to know how to deal with it. And I'll be completely honest with you. This is going to, to – maybe it will surprise people, and maybe it won't. Uh, I know that the two of you, it won't surprise because no. this is a practice almost for us. But the reality is you deal with every single problem player in the exact same way. Now, you're going to say, but Ryan. But if, Ryan. If, if, if you deal with every problem player exactly the same way, then why do we even need to talk about all the different types? The reason we need to talk about all the different types is because you have to understand them because you have to understand what causes them and where they come from so that you can... Uh, nip them before they're problem players. Yes, because, as, you know, a, a lot of these practices aren't in and of themselves bad. Right. But no they, no one is being, mal- very few people anyway, I should say, are doing these things maliciously. Right. And as we go through the list, you're going to find, you're going to be like, well, well, I do that and it's not a problem. And you know what? That's tr- probably true. Oh, yeah. All of everything that's on this list are things that in, in small doses or in he- with healthy attitudes are fine. You're one of these players. Did I'm, you know I'm that, right? Uh, he's probably all of them. Yeah. How do I deal with a problem player? Well, the reality is this. Most of the time, they, this is what happens. They say, oh my gosh, I've got this person. He's in my group, and he is making everybody absolutely miserable. He is doing this thing, and it's making everyone hate the game. What do I do? The first thing I always say is, if this person was cheating, what would you do? What oh, because throw would, him out. Yeah, I'd throw out a cheater immediately. Right? Every single time. That's yeah. what they say. Well, I'd throw, I'd throw their ass out. And, and usually they get real indignant. Like, well, why would you even ask me that? Yeah. And then I, I take a moment and I explain, if you're cheating, you are only really ruining the game for yourself. Because the fact is, if I'm fudging my dice, Carrie, it doesn't matter to you whether no. I hit or miss the target. You don't care. Not really. Not yeah. really, right? But if I'm sitting around the table being a dick, it's ruining your night. Absolutely. Yep. Isn't it interesting that as storytellers, if you ruin the game for yourself, we'll throw you out. But if you ruin the game for everybody, we're going to hem and haw and not be sure what to do and try to give you another chance. Well, and no. Throw them out. Throw them out. What I always say, and I and you kind of cover this in your book, Yeah, too, you don't throw them out first. There's you, a step before you throw them I, out. I always say, coach twice, then boot. Coach them once and say, hey, this is a real problem. Then again, you're like, look, we talked about this. Is there some issue? There's a reason why we can't... What, do you not see it as a problem? What do we need to do? But then again, three strikes. They're done. You have to talk to them. Yeah. Now, I always suggest when you the first thing you need to do when you talk to them is do it not at the game. Yeah. Absolutely. And we've Take, covered this some before. Right. Some of this is just because you, if you embarrass them in front of everybody else at the game, they're not going to hear you. No. no. And nobody would. Right. Because right. yeah. you know what they hear? What they hear is you're the bad guy because you're embarrassing me in front of all my friends. Absolutely. Go buy them coffee. And you know what? If you embarrass them in front of all their friends, you probably are the bad guy. That's true. You could, you could be the, the, the Part bad storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. So, so go buy them coffee. Take them to Starbucks. Do something. And just get them away from the game. And then just be like, look, this is, this is what you're doing. And it's, it's, not, it's making it not enjoyable for everybody else. And it, it's a hard conversation to have. Absolutely. But if he was cheating, you'd throw him out completely. Yep. So it's an easier conversation than that. And I'll go even farther than that. I will say you have an obligation to your table, to your game, to your mush, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to keep people out that are causing problems. You know, we talk a lot in this day and age about gatekeepers and how yes. it's this big, horrible, evil, bad thing. Well, gatekeeping in and of itself isn't necessarily terrible. And this is one of those times. Because there's experiences for some people that are not appropriate for others, or there's experiences I'm going to like and I'm not going to like. And if you're going to say, hey, this is the kind of experience we're having here, it's either for you or not, then that's okay. If you're the storyteller or the dungeon master or the wizard, then you are the gatekeeper for the gaming community that you have around your table, on your mush, at your LARP, whatever it is. And your your role is to keep them safe and yes. having fun. Yeah, and you know what? It is a hard conversation in any of these game mediums. You know, like, right. I've actually had to have that conversation with someone with a mush. 
Right. Which is even weirder because you're not seeing someone's face. So, so you, you don't, can't read them? Yeah, you can't read them. And, and finally, they can't read that you're coming from an honest place. Right. And so I finally just had to say, I don't think that this game is for you. Right. There are other games out there. I hope you find them. It's not that we don't want you here, but you are not having fun and you are not allowing other people to have fun. Right. And that's hard. Yeah, it absolutely is. But again, you have an obligation to do mm-hmm. it. You are, you've taken a leadership position. You must help keep your community Be a healthy. leader. Be a leader, right. Yeah. Not everything is fun. I mean, unless you're weird and you like upsetting people. Then you probably don't need to be running yeah, then a don't game. Yeah, don't be... You a... need to deal with those emotional problems before <laughs> you bring them to the table. Then you're right? a bad player and yeah. a bad game runner. Well, Carrie, do you want to get into some of these? Into bad players? Yeah. Sure. All right. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to start, okay? Okay. Yeah, you start. I want you to call out the one that you think Ryan is when we get to it. No. I, I know what he is. Okay. Call Number one. Out. Number one is the Googler. So, like, Which is that sounds bad? like a bad superhero. All right, so we or have, an STD. We have yeah. quotes for all of these. Yes. So that you can recognize who they are in your own group. So, Ryan, I want you to do the first quote. I want to blow up the bad guy's house. Here, look what I just pulled up on my smartphone that tells you all about how to make a bomb for dummies. I'm just going to stop you right there. My, <laughs> my character does that. No. <laughs> you know, before we started, and I was trying to think of ideas for each one of these, this one bothers me the most sometimes. This is a new problem. It is yeah. a new problem. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you Googled it, but that doesn't mean you know how to do it. Yeah. Like, I mean... It's pretty easy to look up the instructions for building a bomb, but, all right. but it's actually not, building but, a bomb is hard. But is more it, importantly than that, all you have to do is go look at those uh, do-it-yourself disasters. Yeah, like, absolutely. Even if, if you can't handle doing, if people can't handle following instructions to make a craft. Hashtag nailed it. That's yeah, right. Go watch You're not going to be able to make it. a bomb. Right. Like, it's very, ugh. But right. now, just just to, to cover our bases so folks realize, it's not always even about explosives. No, no. It's it does come often, up a lot, doesn't it? It's often yeah. about explosives. Right. But, for example, in a werewolf game, it'll come up because, like, you know, the glass walker with all of the, with their resources five, they want to buy silver. And so they've looked in the book and they they know exactly how much money they can spend with I've resources five. I've got $5,000. I'm going to buy $5,000 worth of silver. Which is exactly 17.9 pounds. And I'm going to turn that into 100 swords. Because I Googled how much silver it takes to make a sword, right? And so, and and they've done, they've, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I also love that these people are invested in the game. They want to look at real world stuff and, and, and right. compare but, it to But the what game. they, part of the issue is just because their character has read about it doesn't mean their character can do it. And for what, that, that not, that divide, that jump is really hard for the Googler to right. understand. Well, the internet's a perfect world where anything is proven to be possible. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it never conveys whether or not those things are likely. Okay, there's two there's two examples I want to give. One is and you know, back to the bomb building. I had an STD who was like, you can Google the the bomb building and you can do it, and then we're gonna throw a chop. And mm-hmm. you know, a random, you know, some sort of role. And he says, uh you have no help, so it's just straight. Just you. It's just you, and you're going to have a penalty because you don't really know what you're doing. But you just Googled it. But understand if you fail. If you fail, you'll be... Lose both arms. <laughs> right. You'll be significantly injured or dead. Uh, if you succeed, you figured out how to build bombs. But the problem is is that everybody who builds pipe bombs in their backyard learns that way, and a bunch of them have killed themselves over the years. Right. <laughs> well, the, Goog- the Googler is actively excluding the storyteller from the storytelling process. That's true. Right, because you know what? If you Googled that with me as a storyteller, I might have you stumble on the bad guy's secret Ooh. website. That had other, you know, and I you can find form posts. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's research role play. Yeah. Or in some games, that's why you buy, there's research skills to, yeah. to roll. Because right? you know what? Just Googling something doesn't mean you're going to get the right recipe. That's right. That's right. Or, Just because it's online doesn't mean it's right. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. So, yeah, the Googler. Yeah. Don't be a Googler. Don't be a Googler. Only be a Googler oh, if your okay. storyteller tells you. Well, that's cool. Hey, go Google, Google, Google that and tell me how much that costs. Right, because I I don't know how much a new Maserati costs, so you let me know, and then we'll talk about it. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right, what's next, Jason? Okay, this is one that drives me crazy. It's out-of-character, in-character confuser, 
and it's the person that's like, uh, well, I'll read it. I want to read this one. Okay, go ahead. Look, I hate Brian. His character's a jerk to me all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm about about to be uh, edgy. Oh, no. no. So I'm experiencing this right now in LARP. My character outsmarted another character. And the player of that other character truly believes that there was no way that my character could have outsmarted them. Right. And so they believe that I cheated. Right. And so they blocked me on Facebook and they stopped being my friend in real life and all of these things because there was no way that my character could have possibly seen that they had screwed up. <laughs> and I think <laughs> because they don't believe that they ever screwed up, but they did. Though I think that whenever you encounter a situation like that as the person that feels like somebody else cheated or is uh, taking out something out of game on you, the first thing you have to do is go to the staff and talk to them mm-hmm. because they can run down these leads and find out if it's yeah. how legitimate your concern is. Right. And when I, you know, when I've been a storyteller in the past or when I was a storyteller for the org, I would uh that was was every week I was having to chase down leads to see, hey, where did this actually come from? Right. Well, the, the ICOC confuser basically mixes up their characters' opinions and feelings with their real-life opinions and feelings. And I think there can be legitimate times to do this. Like, if I know I hate Bob and we have a conflict, then I don't play with him. As right. A, yeah. I avoid Bob. Right. And you know what? This also goes another way, too. Like, for example, Carrie and I are married. Right. So our characters immediately have to be friends, right? Sometimes no. it's an issue. Yeah, yeah. Right? Every it's once kind of in a while, people will people will come up to me in character and be like, "So, could you give whatever Ryan is playing his character's name no, this I message for me?" And I'll be like, "I don't talk to him. <laughs> He's a right. jerk." You know, it's like, you know, for the first few years of, of me and Marty being married, we would avoid playing characters that were connected yes. because we didn't want to deal with, and they didn't really call it back then, bleed, but we didn't yeah. want to deal with, what if we had a fight in game and suddenly we're dealing with that out of game yeah. right. or vice versa. Like if we have a huge fight and suddenly we can't play with each other because we need some cooling off time, Yeah, uh, but it's going to wreck everything because our characters are together or it makes the argument last forever because all our characters hate each other. So every game I go to, right, and I, really I'm bringing you know, that back. The ICOOC confuser. It's tempting to want to just call this the bleeder, but it's the problem is bleed. bleed though is, is sometimes positive. Yeah, like, sometimes it's what's sought after. Sometimes yeah. it's good. So, but it's kind of like the person who. Uh, it's almost like the accidental bleeder. Is really almost because. You know, it often happens without us realizing it. We spend so much time getting into our character that the line between the real us and the other us sometimes starts to be gray. And it's worse than a LARP or a mush because um, you're so focused, you know, and it's so personal um, than it is at a tabletop game where, like, you're able to stop and get up. Pass me the Doritos. You might have Doritos. And And you always hang out before and afterwards. And while you probably should do that in a LARP, you don't as much as you can. exactly yeah. yeah and i'd yeah. like to say that i've actually suffered from this several years ago i was at one of the big grand masquerade conventions in new orleans mm-hmm. and uh my character was being picked on by this other guy but and, and honestly right now i i can admit that he had every reason to the type of character i was playing was designed to be opposed to that character right and he was just following in that role play and it felt like he was being a huge jerk the whole game right and he was, but it was totally in-game. And then after the game, I realized I was the bad guy because I had gotten upset. Yeah. And I had to deal with that. Some of the biggest asshole characters you'll meet are played by some of the nicest people you'll mm-hmm. ever meet. And vice versa. You'll meet a few assholes that are, you know, just assholes too. There's some people you know, out but, there that I mistakenly thought they were right. okay. But players, <laughs> yeah. are, players are not their characters, and characters make decisions that are not the decisions the player would make. That's right. And we've got to be really careful about judging players for what their characters do. Yeah. Absolutely. So. All right. The next one is the metagamer. This is kind of the one. Uh, this is this is the metagamer and the power gamer are very similar because the motivations are the same. Yes. The the mechanics of what they're doing are different. But uh, So here's the metagamer. I heard 
Jason saying at the restaurant after the game that his character is claustrophobic. That means if we want to kill a character, we should just get him into the cage so his roles are penalized. Oh, that's so awful. The yeah. voice? Both. <laughs> but the problem is is that I, I used to know some people back when I was in the old cam who would deliberately do that. Like, we would all talk about our characters all the time. Yeah. This is this is getting, this is a whole other conversation, but this is why I believe there's no such thing as as player versus player Versus character, the character, versus character. You don't believe in the divide between the, player versus character yeah, and character It has character. to be the same. I don't know how many times I've told people, don't tell people your sheets. Or at least don't, don't tell them your weaknesses. Yeah, don't. Like, if you've got a secret, don't reveal it. Yeah, game. yeah, let them find out in character. But unless you want it to come out, don't talk about but, it outside. Mm, so the yeah. metagamer is a player who takes all the knowledge that they gain out of character and they use it to their advantage in character. It's As cheating. A, it is absolutely it is cheating. Absolutely As a storyteller, the part of this that I hate the most is the guy who's read every book in the and suddenly they want to bring in all that information. It's really bad in the World of Darkness games because there's a thousand books out there. Right. And there's people who've read every one of them. Mm-hmm. I, I have not. And they'll be <laughs> like, hey, uh, in the eleven hundreds, this guy did this thing, and so when I do this now, I'm like, whoa, dude. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> well, nope. that's, that's or the other thing is they'll look up uh, they'll look up stats for the bad guys. Oh, I hate that so right? much. They, look yeah. up, they they know how many how many hit points the monster has. No uh, reading right? the monster, and then they're tracking play. it, and so they're they're almost like checking up on you, the storyteller. I'm trying to help. They've looked up what the monster's weakness is, You're right? And then conveniently happened to have designed their character to have this sword. I I, I always carry salt with me. Yeah. What? Yeah. And, no. And so the thing with the uh, metagaming is it's it's invasive and it's it's against the spirit of fairness. I think the spirit is the problem right there. The real problem with metagamers is they destroy the spirit of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, at its worst, metagaming is just cheating. Yes. But but at its least, it's just kind of invasive. And there's another part to this we've talked about before, is that there is a such thing as good metagaming. You can steer your character in ways that are healthier for the game. And yeah. that's okay. That's And, and healthy metagame would be, for example, uh, Hey, Carrie, there's a, there's a new player here tonight, and they're having trouble getting involved. Would you just find a reason for your character to go ask them to come along with you on this mission? Okay. Or be right. like, hey, Ryan, I've got this tragic secret I would love to get out into play. What if you overheard me earlier tonight? Your mom's on the planet? Your mom's on this planet! She's, <laughs> at, the, she's at the Rebel Base! <laughs> she's at the Rebel Base! <laughs> right. Okay. But also, the other thing about metagaming is that it, it can also happen by accident. Oh, I you know. We've all done yeah. it. Experienced players have a lot of knowledge. You know, if you've been playing a game a long time, you've read a lot of books, and sometimes, you know, we maybe forget, you know, does my current character know this stuff? Right. Because I know a lot. Yeah. I've run into that problem, too, uh, and it's why sometimes I play a lore master, because I'm like, I, I probably know it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot right. easier. Yeah. And it's hard to play stupid. It is hard to play like, dumb. If you know something and your character doesn't, it's hard. And sometimes sometimes it's cumbersome because you'll end up going way out of your way right. to avoid coming to the correct conclusion. Just so then because it's weird. you're being yeah. careful. And that's why you don't want people to know weaknesses out of play because then suddenly they have to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Right. And if it gets brought up later on, you're like, are they cheating? Or is this something they found out? Yeah. Right. All right, so... Um, we've got the never give upper. I know I've tried 19 different things to help my character figure this out, but just hang on. I've got about seven or eight more ideas and, and my character wouldn't stop anyway until I figured this out. Oh, Adam Cooch Blue. Oh, Adam. <laughs> is, that, is that his deal? Adam, I love you so much, but oh my goodness, yeah. He, he would corner me in the kitchen at our old uh, werewolf game. And he would just pull out his sheet and go, and he'd like snap it. You know, okay, open. we're doing these ten things and now. And he's like, "We're gonna figure this out." I'm like, "It's the plot for the whole night. This has to last the whole night, dude. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> let it bring someone else with at least." Yeah. I have a tendency <laughs> to be never give upper. No, uh, no, I, I, I can be. I will you, say that you've you come have up a with tendency. a bunch of weird ideas that you want to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the thunderworm cut in half. Oh, but that was brilliant, though. I, 
well, we can go that far, but it was clever. <laughs> so the Never Give Upper is basically the player who refuses to accept that their character might not be able to figure everything out <laughs> right now. <laughs> there are times with that type of player, you just have to look at them and go, stop. Right. Yeah. I am telling you, there is nothing in this room. You have investigated every single thing. You need to go join the party now. They try and they well, try wait. and they I try. I think these rocks are important. Oh, like, take no, them with you. I forgot to get them out of here. I'm sorry. They're convinced that there is a solution that is attainable right this moment. Yeah. But I will say that sometimes people like that will drive plot forward. And if you're running a plot-based game... People who keep trying things give you opportunities to add story. Or they can accidentally become an ST-hog, which we'll get to. We'll get to the (laughs) Never Give Upper, I think, of all of these, this is the one that is easiest for people to not realize they are. Oh, yeah. I've not made a chop on every single ability I have. Yeah, I've got three more. Let's go. That's actually a problem that my son was running into when when we were playing Dungeon World, is he's like, wait. I haven't, like, his character's a druid, and in that system, they can turn into dozens of animals. Yeah. There's, like, right. there's, not a, there's not a real limit. And he's like, well, what if I'm a fox when I do this? Well, what if I'm a hawk when I do this? Uh, well, yeah. what if I'm a squirrel when I do this? I'm like, no, yeah, none of that works. Just, right. Let's, doesn't work. Let somebody else do something. Yeah. Never give uppers are often, they're, they're driven by excitement. I yeah, mean, it, so it's hard, to get, it's hard to get mad at them because what, they're having fun. What they're That's really right. saying is, I love the story you just handed me. Right. I yeah. want to work on this. I'm going to. Turn right. this into something that's cool that I do, and it's going to be amazing, yeah. and I'm going to figure out yep. that I just needed to... The problem is, we have to remember, that sometimes for a game to be exciting and fun, uh, the problem can't be solved immediately. You know, sometimes good story has to be worked for. Yeah. Right? You know, some goals are more rewarding when you've spent time achieving them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's partly just a, a basic mechanic of little s storytelling. Yes. You know, uh, and an epic tale is partially epic because of its scale, but it's also epic because it takes time. I would also say that as a storyteller, big S, be aware that if you want this story to take three sessions, five sessions, what have you, that you don't provide easy solutions that your characters can immediately grab on or provide those easy solutions, but they just really lead to the next step. As in, don't just shut them down. Know what they have and make something interesting that they can do. Take them on a journey before they get to the answer. Right. Right. Let them, and that never give her upper, he really just wants something. So you need to be able to give them something to to chew on. You know what I mean? Something to work with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as a storyteller, you just have to be honest and just say, you You've gotten what? everything. For for real, there is nothing further for you to get on this because you don't have the pieces you need. That's right. And there's or, other pieces out there. Go look for them. somebody else has them. Go role play with right. people to all, find them. All the pieces are in play. You only have one of them. <laughs> all right. So speaking about speaking of getting all of the pieces for yourself, the power gamer. Of all of these, that's probably my least favorite. <laughs> and there's two reasons for this. Uh, well, here's let's the quote. Do, let's do the quote, yeah. I figured out that if I purchase and combine these three powers, then my character will be completely invincible. Now, I just have to buy them without my storyteller noticing how they combine. Okay, so <laughs> here, here's the two reasons why I hate this. The first reason I hate it is because I'm not as good at mechanics as I was ten years ago. Used to, I loved mechanics. I read all the crunch in every book I could get a hold of. But now I just I don't have time to memorize <laughs> all these systems like I used to. So it's easier for players to slip one past you? It's way easier for somebody to slip one past me, and I have to trust them more not to, and it, sometimes people let you down. <laughs> yeah. And the second reason why I hate it is because it is giving somebody an advantage that was not in intended. the spirit. Yeah, not intended, not in the spirit of the rules, and they're almost always a jerk about it. Well, the power gamer studies the rules, 
in the hopes of finding something they can exploit. And that's the key. Yes. Right? They want to exploit the rules for an advantage. Every single experience point they spend is carefully and meticulously calculated as a maneuver so that they can get the greatest advantage. I I, I always find the easiest way to tell if someone's a power gamer or not is when they actually do something. They put, you know, they get their powers together in the way they want. And when they do the thing, and like as a storyteller, you go, oh, I see see what they did. And then they look at you and they go, ha ha! And it's like, did you just laugh in my face? Did you see what I figured out? They're proud of it. Yeah, Yeah. like they're proud, but it's also like a, I got one by you. Like they, they tend to want to rub it in your face that they snuck it by. And as a storyteller, that makes me just want to kick you out of my game. Like, it, you know, like, mm. Yeah. A problem I have as a storyteller with this, too, is there are legitimate cool stuff that you can do with powers. Right. And that was, Especially that was, com- combinations of powers. Sometimes yeah. it's, it's really legitimate. It's cool. That was it lets them get was, away with something, which yeah, that is was, good. That was the thing I was going to say is what I dislike about the power gamer is how difficult it is. To, to discern whether somebody is a power gamer or if they are just a regular player who happened to do a little bit of research and pursued a smart experience point expenditure. You know, yes, a did cool, they have clever to just, choice is amazing. They invested in their character in a way that was informed. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and that's it's so hard sometimes but to informed players don't gloat. I right. absolutely yeah. don't. You know, and it's I think it's the gloating that you go, oh, that's a power. Yeah. Well, you know the thing yeah. I dislike most about power gamers is that they're basically putting uh, skills and points and levels and, and powers in quotes. They're putting all of those things above character and story. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In the absolute perfect system out there, character, story, and mechanics will be perfectly married, and there would no. There would be no real way to exploit them without also uh, breaking the story. There would be no exploits because they would just roll right into whatever you were doing. However, there's no thing created by humans that is perfect. The dumbbell. (laughs) What? 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 And even systems like, say, Fate or uh, other loose systems that are designed not to be that you can't really exploit. There's people out there who figure out cool ways to to game either the table itself or the system to get some advantage. Right. Mm -hmm. So the next one, interestingly enough, power gamers often come... This is hand in hand. ...as this. Yes. (laughs) And that's the rules lawyer. Wait, page 47 says the power doesn't actually work that way, so we need to rewind the whole scene and do it again because it's wrong. Look, it's right here. I read it. This is how it works. If you tell me otherwise, then you're a cheater. Because <laughs> I've had that sort of thing said to me, not those exact words, but like, hey, this power works like this, and we made a mistake an hour ago. If you don't redline this whole scene, then you're yeah, cheating. One hour of role play. <laughs> no, yeah. dude. No. So here's what I learned recently is the best way to cure a rules lawyer is to have them be a storyteller. <laughs> and rules then, lawyers yeah. do make good storytellers sometimes. And then they come to you and they go, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I get it now. I get what I was doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> The rules lawyer basically double checks every single rules call that a storyteller or a DM makes. They tend to have their own book with them right. open to the page. And they like for everyone to know that, they, that the storyteller made a bad call. And I want to say there's a difference here between the medicine and the poison. There is a level of this that is very useful, especially for me, like as a guy who's not great at mechanics anymore. You know, elephant in the room. Uh, the Werewolf Book by By Night Studios. It's big. I don't it's know all the mechanics. Six hundred and eighty pages <laughs> of rules. Right. So, like, good or bad, it's a lot. Right. Right. And so, at the end of the Scotty day, Scotty says no a lot. <laughs> <to that. laughs> he Scotty says that's says, over fifty pages. I'm out. That's <laughs> six hundred and fifty pages more than I'm willing to read. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it doesn't matter how great that book is. At the end of the day, there's no way we're going to know everything in it. It's going to take a decade to to intuit. Yeah. Everything right. in there. And so it's great to be able to rely on your players a little to tell you how something works that you don't remember. Mm-hmm. I love it when they all know how the, all their powers work. And that way, and I hate to say it, I don't know how all their powers work, that they can just say, yes, I do three damage here. And all you have and to I can do is figure them. out how they interact. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then when they say, hey, I'm going to do this weird thing, okay, let's look at it. Yeah. Right. 
So the, the rules lawyer, though, they're arguing with the storyteller, and they refuse to compromise, and they're unwilling to wait to discuss it after the scene. Absolutely. Um, they, they're agitated, and they make it hard for everybody to have a good okay, time. Okay, now, I They like I to be right. I don't mind someone questioning, especially if it's a, if I take three points of damage, my character is dead. I would like this rule to be clarified right now. Because I think that my is, power will prevent that. Right. That is not being a rules lawyer. That's going, this is a life or death scene. My character, you know, we need to be clear. If, I think we've said that before, yeah. too. Like, if a rule interpretation is going to change whether or not a PC lives or dies, pause for a moment and get your book out. Yeah. Because you know what? You will not forgive yourself for killing that character oh, if no. you played the scene wrong. Right. Yeah. But having to, and neither will your player. <laughs> they will never ever forgive you, and they may not ever come back to your game. But but if it's not life or death, make your call and then just tell them, hey, we can we're gonna talk about it after the scene's over. We'll get the book up and we'll look and we'll make sure we do it right next time. And if they're Interpretation, and this is my experience. If their interpretation doesn't sound too crazy, I t- I try to just always go with what they think it is, as long as I'm not sure they're wrong. Right. Just to keep things going. If they're like, "Hey, I think my power looks like this," okay, it does. Yeah. Let's keep yeah. going. Yeah. So the rules lawyer, you know, they're they're driven by this idea that they understand the rules better than anyone else, uh, and they they want to be validated as an expert. The real problem is the second half, the not the rules. The lawyer part. They want to argue it with you, (laughs) not just know it. It's not enough that they know it. They have to argue it. And they end up turning, they end up injecting out of character distraction to what's happening. Yeah. And a lot of them may know the rules perfectly, but they're interpreting it in a way, because most rules are open to interpretation. They're interpreting it in a way that you are not. And that can be a big difference. Yeah. And also sometimes if it's a nothing rule, it doesn't matter. Right. Who cares? Let's just move on. We'll fix it. We'll worry about it next time. Right. If I have to give you an extra gold piece to make this up or a little extra plot one time, let's just do that. Yeah. Don't fix it. Don't bring the game to a halt. Yes. Trust me to fix it. The only time that we really should stop is when it's going to be the end of your story. Yeah. Okay. So the next one's me. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so but I think gonna... we both suffer from this. And okay. So this is the ST hog. Yeah. Okay. I need to run a scene if that's cool. It's just going to be my character. I'm going to do some sneaky, sneaky, sneaky stuff. Uh, can we go to the other room for it, though? I made a list of the stuff I'm doing right here. Um, if you want to read it, you can. Here. Three hours later. <gasps> so the storyteller hog has several scenes that he needs to run. Before going into play. And they're all oh. private scenes. Between Preferably before play starts. Just them and the storyteller. Uh, or maybe one or two of their closest friends. Uh, they have to be run away from the group because they're secret. Uh, and so it monopolizes a storyteller's time. And they're usually completely oblivious to the fact that the rest of the game has to sit and wait for them. It's a problem, and you know what? We ran into this a little bit at the last werewolf game we played. We wanted a scene with just our pack doing something, and it wound up taking longer than everybody else's. Now, there's a bunch more stuff there, but maybe we should have tried to run it, help run it faster, or... No. <laughs> <laughs> I felt no. good about that scene. Uh, well, I know on. you do, uh, because okay, you gonna... get to win. <laughs> I did win. <laughs> wow. ST Hogs, the, the real problem for me with an ST Hog isn't when a player does it one time. Because you yes. know what? Everybody there are times that, what? you know, your guys' pack needed to go do that. It was yeah. it was your moment. That was a good thing. Now, if this happens every game. That's a problem. That's when the problem is. Right. You know, when, when uh, as a storyteller, I lose my first three hours Every game I'm storytelling to the same person, to the same person, you know, doing nothing scenes that's not important. But if they or think even it if is, they are important, even yeah, you're losing every. Bring someone else with at least, right. you know, like yeah. Storyteller hogs, we're not bad people. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just really passionate, and we're committed to our characters, and. Uh, and that passion is a wonderful driving force 
And it's a terrible distracting force, right? One of the ways we, back um, when I was running Werewolf up in Indiana. Right. uh, In the good old days. In in the good old days. 1975. Um, You had to walk to game uphill both Both ways. ways. In the snow. Well, it was Indiana, so. We already got one XP per game and we liked it. We liked it. Uh, um, what we would do, we had a player that was an ST hog. Sure. And um, his, his I, his name I began with an R. R. Ian. Anyway. And I would usually run scenes because sure. you know, it was the plot that I was running that he was focused on. Right. But what we did is my staff, when we realized what was going on, we kind of character. We talked about it. No, <laughs> we just moved everything for my 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 staff. One of my staffers, Mike took over a bunch of the stuff. Right. And Mike, like, I'm a, I'll explain what the room looks like and the smell in the air. Mike's like, like three, throw three chops. Let's yeah, go. basically. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike was very like, boom, boom, done, go into play. You know, it was like, oh, what just happened? And, and I'll be honest, I was just as satisfied. Yeah. Look, if you're a storyteller hog, you're not looking for a great scene. You're looking for results. That's, that can be absolutely Usually. true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's one of the ways we dealt with it. Is it's just to run the sheen, sheens, the scenes. Is <laughs> <laughs> just to run all the scenes as quickly as possible. Yeah. Like that, you know, and we put the best storyteller to do that was Mike at the time, right? Because I tended to go, let me get feelings out of your character for every scene. Because that's, that's not what those scenes required. That's not what was needed. You right. know, it was it didn't hurt the scenes, but it wasn't needed. And so we just put Mike in charge of it. Something that I've talked about before, and I think we've all discussed it a little bit, is that the as a storyteller, you only have one thing, which is time. That's your only thing you can spend throughout the night. And the more you spend on one person, the less you can spend on other people. Right. So you should always be very cognizant of how much you've spent on mm-hmm. any one person because you've got 10, 15, 30, 200 people to entertain. Right. And if you're not expending some of that time on things that get all of them entertained, then you're wasting a certain percentage of it. Right. And that can be somewhat mercenary and say, hey, I've got to cut this scene short because I've got 10 other scenes to run tonight. Or you can say, I've got, uh, like in Buffer Larps, there are a lot of little modules. You can be like, hey, I've got to run 10 modules today. They can take more, no more than uh, an hour and a half a piece because I have to have time to go pee. Yeah. <laughs> so we're hitting the hour 15 mark. So this is getting wrapped up. Yeah. yeah. And I better not see all these same people on the next module because we need other players to get to do them too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So our last one is the XP whore. Right. <laughs> My character sheet's missing a point of XP. Also, if I bring you a soda, can I get an XP? Uh, and I can pitch in for pizza and chips, too, if you want. Uh, you know, uh, you can toss me a couple more points for that. Okay, I have a story about this specifically. <laughs> when when it was just me and Carrie running the new RVR game, oh. there, was a, there was a player, and he played for a little while, and he was not too problematic. He was always asking for... He, he wanted his character to have extra... Like, he wasn't quite power gaming, but he was right up against it. He just wanted to be special. He did want to be special. And he also considered, he was one of those people who played the game with the idea that, like, well, my sheet doesn't have access to this, so I'm going to do these other things to get access to it. Which meant I don't have any weird weaknesses, because I've covered them all. Was Uh, it me? No, it was not you. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, he came to us one game, and it's like, hey, cap XP for your game is 10 and I've only been getting seven. And we're like, well, seven to eight is average reward for our game. That's what right. we usually do. Max is what the org allows us to award, and we almost never do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and like you know, the, there, there are other ways to get XP, like travel. Sure. And there's an argument to be had about how XP should be handed out and all that, but that's not what we're getting into right now. What we're talking about is the fact that this guy was like, look, if I can't do these things to get max XP, if you will give me a list of things to do to get max XP every week, I will do those things every time. Mm-hmm. Like last week I brought a case of Cokes and y'all forgot to give me an XP for it. And we're like, yeah, we actually forgot to give you XP for that. But 
it's not an expectation that you get yeah. XP every time you bring a case. Of we're, we're trying to build a community here. Right. We appreciate the case. And yeah, we were going to give you XP, we just forgot. But it's also not a requirement. Yeah, bringing we, the soda to build community is more important than bringing a soda to get an XP. At which least is exactly what he be. wanted to do. He wanted to say, what things do I need to do to buy this max XP? Right. And when we finally were like, this is this is what you can do. And he was like, that's not enough. And we we're like, well, we're sorry. That's the list you got. We're, we're going to hit about eight is the most you can get. Yeah. And You're he going to have to travel. He decided that he was no longer going to play in our game because he couldn't Get max out. XP he week. couldn't cap out. Yeah. And, you know, there's a ton of arguments about how XP should work, and we've all fought these battles on Facebook a million mm-hmm. times, and I'm sure that it goes back to the Dark Ages of, <laughs> you know, the first Vampire? D&D game when somebody opens up the box and somebody in the back's like, you know what? I drove everybody here today. I should get 50 more XP than everybody else. I brought the jolt. And it should all, you know, and there's lots of arguments about how XP should be handed out, like the same to everybody. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is you should not be buying it in any fashion. You should not be trying to game that system to get more of it. This is that whole buying successes thing that is such a a LARP topic. It's a LARP killer, too. Nero is going through this huge upheaval, and it's been going through it for the last few years Mm -hmm. because you can literally buy XP. Right. Now, so the XP whore, basically, they they will do everything they can. That You know, food drive for XP? Sure. Here's $20 a piece. Right. <laughs> you know, downtime reports? Here's a thesis paper. Right. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they take initiative, and they'll do all sorts of things for the storytellers. And then casually joke, you know, whenever they do something nice, you know, that, that should give me an XP, too. Huh? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Oh, I tell you, the other part of this I hate is when the guy's like, well, you know, uh, I really should get more than 10. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. Literally, I can't give you more than 10 I, I, The yeah. rules forbid me, but also. No. Yeah, even if I could at this point, no, because you asked. <laughs> when I ran Ooh. a game back in Chicago, uh, I had a player. How come he never gets back in the day? It's true. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had a player who every single every single game she would come to check in, right. and she would basically she would look at her sheet, and you know, in, in that LARP, uh, the storytelling staff tracked XP. Sure. And so she would look get her sheet. She'd look at her XP, and every single game her XP total was wrong. Uh. It was always off. Like she should have had like one more. I'm sure it was every one more. single game. is that enough to get that power she wanted. It wasn't always a. It, it could just be. Rarely, I'm supposed to have one more. <laughs> very yeah, you know. Um, she would she would be able she would pull out documentation and go through all of this stuff and try to argue it and blah blah blah. And eventually, you know what? We realized that it was one freaking XP. We don't care. Like you don't need one XP. Uh, is not, it's a, it's, hold the line, Ryan. Hold the line. But the truth <laughs> is, though, like we were just like one XP is not breaking our game, but arguing with this girl and holding who is up becoming an sure. XP or is becoming a ST hog. That yeah. is, and so we would just hand, we would just be like, oh yeah, you're right, and we give her that one XP. You should as have long just as she under was, gave her one XP every game. Well, as long as she was not over the the eight or whatever the org allowed, it really didn't matter anyway. Right. Okay. Um, you know, but but I tell that story because the point is that XP whores uh, come in all types. You know, they're not just the ones who who are actively trying to get more, but sometimes they're just the ones who are prone to accidentally misunderstand how much they're supposed to mark on their sheet. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and they take that obsession into game, too. You know, like, if it's a Dungeons & Dragons game uh, and you're really being hard, cool, rules, you know, rules-heavy, yes. where only the person who delivers the death blow gets the XP sure. for killing the monster, then they hold their action. Waiting to kill Waiting steel. so they can <laughs> deal the death blow, right? Also, you know, from now on, let's call it hard, cool. <laughs> I, I like that, that a lot better. That was hard pretty cool. cool. We're really hard, cool players here, right? What? So you know, I mean, we need T-shirts that say that. Uh, that's our first T-shirt, everybody. Hard, cool players. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hard, cool game. Yeah, you know, you and handle it, and that upsets folks. It does. It's a problem yeah. in Guru when you might call it renown whoring, where yeah. you could get an extra renown for being the person who put the last blow in, and then that guy 
is always waiting in the back. Right. Well, I'm a, I've always believed that Renown, at least in the tabletop systems and stuff, Renown is kind of a second XP yes. category. Yeah. It's a problem because it's in... Okay. Yeah. There's a whole dive into <laughs> game systems and our problems with them. And we actually need to do that episode soon. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I think that is our, our mechanical problem players. So let's go ahead and move on to game wrap. Also, I'd like to take the two of you to coffee because there's some stuff I'd like to talk about. Oh, oh, you know what? We need to do an episode of what happens when the ST is the problem. <laughs> Welcome to Game Wrap. Thank you for joining us this week. It means a lot You're to welcome. me. <laughs> <laughs> it would mean even more to me if you lived in Mississippi. Oh, uh, well, it's coming. I've already started Googling Mississippi Facebook groups. All right. Well, once again, real quick, uh, please share us on Facebook or Twitter and just let everybody know that you're listening to us and that you think that we are uh, worth Swell. listening to. And remember to always add to that that Ryan's beard is making him look distinguished, not old. That's right. So we can be found at honorrollpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else you can find your podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook.com slash group slash honorrollpodcast. You can email us. Uh, and you can, of course, find us on Patreon. At Patreon. Become our ninth patron. Woo! Patreon.com slash honorrollpodcast. So let's go ahead and give XP out. Yay! Uh, Carrie, you get... 5 XP for attendance. Yay! You get 3 XP for the highest pitched player voice I've ever heard. <laughs> I, will, I will beat this record next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you also get uh, 4 XP for uh, broaching that I was a problem player in a way that wasn't completely insulting or mean. Like I she think. usually does. Yeah. I'm very mean. It's true. Yeah. Jason, uh, thanks for joining us. You're so welcome. we're going to go ahead and... Uh, I, I would like 10 more XP because you've already taught me that begging for XP works for you. You know, did you bring anything? I did bring something. What'd you bring? Me. <laughs> That's uh, worth some XP like right negative there. one. Whoa! <laughs> did you submit a downtime report? No, did I you, don't. I only you? do those when there's mechanical advantages to doing it. Okay, so <laughs> no joke. All right, true story. All right, confession. Yes. Time. When I story told for Chicago, sure, there was a player that uh, he did, wasn't at the time able to travel. So sure. he was, it was impossible for him to ever max out every month sure. uh, You know, under the rules. I told him that if he brought me a package of Twizzlers to every game, <clears throat> that I would give him the, the last XP that he needed to, <laughs> match out, to max out. I want to talk I, about who the whore in this situation is, because I don't think it's him. I also want to <laughs> point out that I'm diabetic now. <laughs> <laughs> His character also did very well. So next week in Problem Storytellers. (laughs) Jason, I'm going to go ahead and give you three XP. That's enough. Uh, I leveled. Yeah, that's all you need. That's right. I I had to get my new power. That was enough to do it. All right. Well, join us next week when our topic is hard, cool role-playing games. Uh, (laughs) Until next time, remember that the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. Have fun. I like fun. thoughts and opinions that were on this podcast belong to just those folks who were on this podcast and to nobody else. All of the music was courtesy of Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Uh-huh.